What it do, what it do, episode 208, Past Their Prom Podcast. It's your boy E Money. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? We got another episode power packed with a lot of sports events that's been going on. This past weekend was jam packed. Uh, everything under the sun has been happening. Let me not even say the weekend, it's the past weekend and the past couple of days. So, you know, as we always do it on Tuesday night, let's get it started. Uh, episode 208. Your boy E Money. Hit me up on Twitter with any questions, comments, concerns. You want to troll? Let's get it popping. My Twitter name is EA Sports 718. Uh, again, my Steam host couldn't make it tonight, so you got me all by my lonesome. But that's all right. We're going to have some fun with it. So uh, generally, we usually go into our weekend events, but uh, my weekend was dry for the most part. Um, the highlight would be probably going to uh, the Louis Vuitton exhibit uh, downtown on Wall Street. Uh, if you haven't heard about that yet, check that out. It's on Wall Street. It's free to get in. You just need to reserve uh, a ticket online, or you could also do the walk-in, depending on when you plan to go. I hear sometimes it gets packed. I'm pretty sure all the hype beasts already posted a picture on Instagram with the Louis Vuitton black and pink logo in the back. <laughs> so if you're wondering um, where is everybody at that's taking this picture, that's where they're going, Louis Vuitton exhibit. Um, you know, also keeping with the Monica, the podcast, past their prom. I'm past my prom, but I play flag football on the weekends, you know, so uh, my team, the Spartans, won our championship. This is our fifth or sixth championship now. So, you know, I had a good time doing that with the fellas. Always a good time. That was on Saturday morning. So that's pretty much my weekend in a nutshell. But um, let's get into the football, man. Let's get right into it. NFL weekend. Uh, as usual, we're seeing more quarterback play. For some reason, everybody thought it was fight weekend this weekend in the NFL. Uh, Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore got into it. A.J. Green and Jalen Ramsey got into it. AJ Green actually is is very surprising. He doesn't strike me as someone who wants to get busy in that nature, and um, he made it clear that he was trying to get busy. I'm not. I'm. I'm. Excuse me. I've never seen people throw punches. I'm not, let me not say never. I've definitely seen people throw punches with helmets on, but the way AJ Green was launching those punches, it looked like he wanted to break the helmet and more on Jalen Ramsey. I have no idea what went on between the two of them. But it just looked like maybe A.J. was just frustrated that Andy Dalton is his quarterback for so long now. <laughs> and the Bengals can't seem to figure out how to put a winning product on the field week in and week out. So that was very surprising. Uh, also, the Jaguars um, not letting Leonard Fournette play at the 11th hour. I'm not sure what that was about. I'm hearing it was because he missed team pictures and broke uh, – set of other rules. Sounds like, you know, Tom Coffin is one of those guys that if you're on time, you're late. And if you're early, you're on time. So I guess he wanted to make an example out of Leonard Fournette and make him understand that time value is something that we want everyone to take seriously on this team, including the star players. And I guess the rookie wasn't taking that seriously. So that's something that they needed they, they felt they needed to take care of. So that was very surprising. Uh, what wasn't so surprising 
but it was at the same time was the Giants losing to the Rams. I'm not surprised that they lost. I'm surprised in the fashion that they lost. 51-17? At home? That's out of control. You can't let a professional football team put 50 points on another professional football team. That's just unheard of. It's just, it doesn't make sense. You guys all practice. You all got there because you're the best at what y'all do, and you're giving up 50 points. Then to add insult to injury, the Rams have a third and 33, which they probably figured we make it respectable and turn it into a four and 25 or four and 15, something like that. But no, the third and 33 ends up being becoming a touchdown by Robert Woods, courtesy of Jared Goff. And speaking of Jared Goff, I think that's a testament as to what Jeff Fisher may have been the past four or five years as the Rams coach. No way he looked so awful last year. Now this year he's he's one of the league leaders in uh, touchdown and passing yards. So I don't know if that's uh, detriment to Jeff Fisher and his coaching, but Jared Goff looks a hell of a lot better now that Sean McVay is the coach out there now. He's only 31. He's a year older than me. I need to call him and figure out how to get my name in as a coach on one of these professional teams. <laughs> That's just me joking, though. I'm really not here for that headache and for people like me asking questions. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? <laughs> and what's the game plan for this week? I know coaches probably get irate when they get a maraud of questions, especially after tough losses. But that loss by the Giants, I have no idea what to call that. It just just doesn't make sense. Uh, I think it's time for the Giants to just blow it up and start all over again. Blow it up from the top down. Uh, Jerry Reese did a good – you had a good run here as the GM. We need to go in a different direction. Ben McAdoo is really not looking good. The offense is looking very anemic. Granted, I get that. Odell Beckham Jr., Brandon Marshall, and Sterling Shepard all were out. And Sterling Shepard recently came back. But at the same time, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I haven't had a running game. Orleans Dark Boy is okay at best, average at best. Paul Perkins, not the guy who uh, the Giants thought he was going to be. That's also something that they didn't foresee. He's, he got close to nothing. Shane Vereen got close to nothing either. So Eli Manning looks a, looks like a shell of himself. I'm going to get to Eli Manning later too. I know Giants fans don't want to hear this, but Eli Manning, eh, eh, I don't know. I don't know. 36. It's not looking too good out there. Granted, the O-line has been atrocious for years for the Giants. Eric Flowers is not a left tackle. I don't care what anyone tells me. He is not a left tackle. He has no idea, no clue, no clue for what's going on over there. So that's something that's not helping Eli already. But at the same time, I just feel Eli just is not making the throws that we're customarily used to seeing him make. So that's something that really surprised me, that the Giants really laid an egg like that, 51-17 at home versus the Rams. 
uh, well, also was surprising is finally the Colts came out and said that Andrew Luck's not playing this season. And I'm seeing different reports about possibly this may be a career ending injury. Hopefully it's not because uh, we only got a small sample of Andrew Luck and we definitely love to see more. So hopefully that'll be something that could be rectified and he'll be back better than ever next season. So those are just quick rundown of what went down this past weekend. Um, the Packers, they look horrendous without Aaron Rodgers, but we already knew that that was going to be the case. Brett Hundley doesn't look like – let me not even say he doesn't look like he, he got it. I, I don't know if McCarthy's plan was to – minimize what he wants his quarterback to do. But at the same time, sooner or later, you're going to have to let him throw the ball down the field. It can't just be all these five-yard dump-offs. That, that, that's, that, that's just not going to work. In the NFL, you're not just going to dump the ball off left and right and expect to win the majority of your games and be competitive. It's just not going to work. Uh, a testament to that would be how Alex Smith decided to start airing it out this year and got himself an MVP conversation. Yes, Alex Smith, MVP. I know a lot of people still riding his Carson Wentz train. I'm tired of hearing Eagles fans talking about Eagle fly, Eagles fly. But I can't hate anymore. The Eagles are, are that good right now. They're really making noise. Um, look like they're improving every week. So we'll see what comes of that, man. That's definitely something to keep an eye on. But... uh. Let's get into our pick six games, man. So today we're going to go into Saints at Bills, Patriots at Broncos, Vikings at Washington, Dallas at Atlanta, and of course the home teams, Giants at 49ers, Jets at the Bucks. So, you know, I'm going to get right into it. I'm not even going to waste any real time on this. Um, Saints at Bills, I'm going to go with the Saints. Drew Brees is playing pretty good even at the age that he's at. Alvin Kamara has um, grown to be a stud. He looks like he's the feature running back. Mark Ingram is still there, so he's also going to help. So I think the Saints offense and their very improved defense is going to give the Bills some fits. The Bills look good uh, the past couple of weeks, but they did lose to the Jets this past week. So I think with the Saints defense only getting better, I think is going to give Tyrod Taylor uh, – some problems, especially since he doesn't have the premier targets that a quarterback would like to have being in that position to really put his team in a position to win. I don't know if uh, Jordan Matthews and um, I believe uh, Kelvin Benjamin it was that just recently got traded there. I don't know if those guys are it. Kelvin Benjamin had a great rookie year, but I'm not sure if he's really that guy moving forward. Uh, he looks like a shell of himself after he went through that ACL injury. So I'm not sure if he really is going to help Tyrod Taylor, a.k.a. T-Mobile, as some may know him. Uh, the next game, so I have the – actually, excuse me, I don't know if I mentioned that already, but I have the Saints beating the Bills. So I got the Saints in that one. Next game is Panthers – Excuse me, not Panthers. Patriots at Broncos. Uh, I believe this is a rematch of the AFC game from last year, if I'm not mistaken. And um, right now I'm going to go with the Patriots. Until the Broncos solve their quarterback situation, I can't pick them to win the game. They went from Trevor Simeon. Now they got Brock Osweiler, who's 
god awful. I was a proponent. I was a fan of his. I was a proponent that says, yo, he's he's that guy. He's definitely uh should have stayed in Denver. Denver should have gave him the money to stay. But it looks like John Elway knew what the hell he was doing. I've been questioning John Elway for about two, three years. First, we're letting uh, Brock Osweiler walk. Then taking so long to give Von Miller his contract. So, at this point, I'm not going to question uh, John Elway anymore. I think he has an idea of what he's doing with this football team. So, I'm going to let him do his thing. But right now... Since he's been making the right moves, what he needs to do is figure out what the hell he's going to do at quarterback. Hey, if I'm him, I'll look into an off-season addition and maybe call up the New York Giants and see what's good with the little brother, the Peyton Manning, that you just had a few years ago. I mean, that's just, that's just my thought. Just my, just my thoughts. Just my two cents. So I got the Patriots winning now. I think it's going to be too much Tom Brady and uh, Gronkowski. And the defense is kind of picking it up. And like I said, the Broncos don't have a legitimate quarterback to really be competitive in this game. So I'm going to go with the Patriots in this one, even though they're they're the away team. The next game is Vikings at Washington. This kind of going to go in a similar direction because uh, the Vikings, their quarterback situation is still a little murky. They just activated Teddy Bridgewater from the – Pup list and uh, not the pup list, the uh, injured uh, report and made him active. So uh, he's definitely eligible to play. I'm not sure if he's got any practicing with the first or second team. And um, Sam Bradford is reportedly going to look at his knee again with uh, the reclaimed knee doctor, Dr. Andrews. So we're not sure what's going on with the quarterback position. Is Stefan Diggs back? We don't know about that either yet. So I th- just think this is going to be too much for the Vikings to get over to be able to beat the Redskins. Even though the Redskins are beat up, they still do have Mr. You Like That, Kirk Cousins. And somehow, some way, he's getting the job done. It doesn't matter what you put in front of him. He always finds a way to make himself successful in games, uh, especially with that upset win over Seattle this past weekend. So that's definitely something that uh, you need to look into. Uh, I'm going with Washington, and they're playing at home. So I'm pretty sure they're going to take care of this one. It's probably going to be a low-scoring game. I don't see this game going above 20, 23 points. I feel like it's going to be a 20-13 game the Redskins win. So I definitely got the Redskins in that one. Next game is a tricky one. Dallas at Atlanta. (sighs) This game right here, um, we're not sure if it's going to be with Zeke or not because as Zeke lawyers have been saying, they're going to fight this to the end. I appreciate that recently Zeke came out and said that he didn't do it. He didn't uh, assault nor take advantage of the woman who was making these accusations against him. I think it was well overdue that he made some type of statement instead of staying quiet because it gave people the impression that he was against the process of the NFL suspending him, but not against the accusations that were being made against him. So, you know, those are two different things. When you're against the process, you just feel like you weren't given the correct process and given an opportunity to prove yourself innocent. 
But when you say that you never did that, you're telling us that you're innocent. So, okay. I definitely respect that. I, I hope that this gets resolved quick. I think it's been dragging for too long. Uh, it's definitely something that the NFL and the Players Associations need to resolve sooner rather than later. But I understand where Zeke is coming from. As long as he can fight it, he will. And he keeps going on the field. So why not? So I I want to say Dallas is going to go into Atlanta and win this game. But the impending suspension of Zeke is kind of holding me back. But I also do trust Dak. I think Dak Prescott is special. I think he's got he's got what it takes to win a game. So you know what? I'm gonna go with Dallas in this one and a close one too. I think it's gonna be a last two minute drive for in order for Dallas to win. Des Bryant, where are you? Is anybody home? Where has Des Bryant gone? Right now, I have no idea that he still plays for the Cowboys. Des Bryant, where are you, bro? These three catches, four catches a game for about 50, 60 yards, that's not going to do it. That's not number one receiver business. More and more, you're starting to look like a shell of yourself. Dropping passes, you're not really getting any separations. The speed is kind of lacking. I want to say nothing was the same since that botched catch against the Packers in the playoffs. Ever since then, we haven't seen the same Dez that we're accustomed to. And I don't know if the injuries started piling up and made you a shell of a player that you once were, but we, but the Cowboys need you to pick it up. I'm not even say we. I'm not a Cowboys fan. Y'all already know who I'm rocking with, Chargers all day. That was just a shameless plug to my Chargers. But Des, bro, you got to show up this game, man. Definitely the Cowboys going to need you, man. They definitely going to need you in this one. So... I got Dallas winning this one, not by a lot. I think um, the Falcons, for some reason, just can't get it together. I don't know why or what's going on. Like, you can't tell me that Kyle Shanahan is the single reason that y'all were offensive juggernaut. It's the same team. It's just a different offensive coordinator. So I don't know if Kyle Shanahan took the playbook with him and said, no, nobody else can have this. And Steve Sarkeesian is looking like he has no clue what to do with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. At the same token, Julio Jones can't be dropping wide-open touchdowns. And um, the Falcons just need to figure out how do we get Julio Jones in a mismatch and abuse that. I don't understand. As Coles would say, you got Julio Jones, you got Mohamed Sanu, and a double-headed running back tandem with Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Use your weapons. Put them in positions to prosper. Whether there needs to be screens, uh, pick plays, or send Julio on a quick go route or stop and go route, something like it doesn't make sense that you have all these offensive weapons and y'all struggling to put points on the board. At some point, you just got to go to your bread and butter and say, this is what we're doing. Try to stop us. That's it. Who's stopping Julio Jones right now? Even if he drops a touchdown, throw it right back. So what? You see what Aaron Rodgers is doing when he's healthy. He's like, you know what? I saw something there. We didn't connect on that play, but we're going to run it right back, and I'm going to get it to you. Don't worry. Unless Matt Ryan isn't the guy we think he is. 
And when I say we, I'm talking general public because I've never thought he was this elite quarterback, as people would say. I think he's very good, but he's the quarterback that'll get you there, but he's not going to win it. He's just not. I don't see that ice-cold water in his veins in crunch time, as we saw in the Super Bowl and in previous moments throughout his career. So I definitely don't uh, think Atlanta is going to pull this one out. I think they're going to struggle with uh, Dak Prescott and um, Des Bryant. And hopefully if Zeke plays, he'll run all over this Falcons defense. So I got Dallas in a close one on this one in this game. The next game we're going to go to is the home game. Excuse me, home games. Giants at 49ers. When I checked a day ago, the 49ers were favored by one point. The winless 49ers were favored over the Giants, who won one game. So this tells us how abysmal the Giants' season has been this year, that a team with C.J. Bethard as the starting quarterback and no wins is the favorite to win this game at home versus the Giants. And you know what? I'm going with Vegas on this one. I'm going with the 49ers. The Giants have shown me nothing, absolutely nothing, that tells me that they're going to show up for this game. Granted, Janaris Jenkins is back, but Janaris Jenkins is not throwing touchdowns. So I just don't see anything from this Giants team, at least what they showed me on Sunday, that tells me that they're going to be able to compete and actually win this game. So I'm definitely going with the Giants in this one. Excuse me, the 49ers over the Giants. And the sixth game we're going to discuss is the Jets at the Bucks. I've been f- against the Jets and saying that, you know, they're just not a good team, but I got to eat my words. I got to eat crow. Ladies and gentlemen, the Jets are a competitive team. Who would have thought at the beginning of the season that the Jets would be having a much better outlook on this season than the Giants? And the Jets are still well in play for one of those wild card spots because we know the AFC East is the Patriots division. So they already booked their ticket to the playoffs. But the Jets are right there. So the Jets are going to be traveling to Tampa. And uh, they're going to be playing the Bucks. The Bucks are going to be out without Jameis Winston. He suffered a shoulder injury, a minor setback, so they decided to sit him out for a few weeks, whatever that means. That may turn into an injury luck situation. And as far as Jameis Winston, bro, it's not looking too good. I thought this was the year that you would take that step and become one of the elite quarterbacks in this league, but it doesn't look like you've gotten much better. And... Dirk Cutter was supposed to be this quarterback whisperer and help you develop, but we're seeing some of the same mistakes that you've been making. Like, you're just a gunslinger at this point from what it looks like. And you got pieces there. You got Mike Evans. You got Deshaun Jackson. You got Doug Martin in the backfield. Cameron Bray and Adam Humphreys do pretty good at the tight end position, along with the rookie O.J. Howard. So, Jameis Winston, man... It's not looking good. Carson Wentz looks better. Deshaun Watson looked better prior to the injury. Also, Marcus Mariota looks better. Jared Goff looks a whole lot better. So those are a lot of young quarterbacks that are looking better than you, Jameis. I think you need to look in the mirror and figure out what's going on. And those pregame antics ain't helping you win. 
I don't know what that was about when you were licking your fingers like you just ate some of the best peach cobbler that you ever had in your life. That's what it looked like when you were talking about you hungry for some W's. So that's definitely uh, something you need to avoid and try to get your football work up to par with the rest of the young quarterbacks in the league. So um, I got the Jets in this one. I'm going uh, the Jets in the upset over the Bucks due to the quarterback situations. Uh, Jameis Winston isn't playing. I forget who the backup in Tampa is. It should be Kaepernick, but that's neither here or there. And um, I got the Jets in that one. That's the final game in my pick six. So right now we've got Saints over the Bills, Patriots over the Broncos, Redskins over the Vikings, Cowboys over the Falcons, 49ers over the Giants, and the Jets over the Bucks. So those are my pick six for this week. So now we're going to get into our topics. You know, we always got to touch on whatever else may be going on in sports right now or just, you know, in the pop culture or entertainment business or whatever have you. But uh, I want to get into this Kaepernick collusion case because I read an article earlier this weekend that touched upon how Kaepernick may be very well able to have his day in court against the NFL owners. Um, apparently, there was supposed to be a meeting between Goodell and Kaepernick, but that was uh, next because they couldn't agree on the mediator, according to Kaepernick's representative. But this collusion case is special in a sense because it's happened before in some in the same type of frame, but different. It wasn't players protesting. This happened in baseball prior to the strike that they had. It was uh, back in the 80s. Um, perfect example was when Tim Raines and Kirk Gibson were both, you know, fairly young free agents in baseball, and they weren't really getting a lot of offers, if any. So what was what was came later to be found out was that the owners decided to save money and pay less for free agents. They said for every team not to go after pending free agents so that they will be able to come back to their respective team that they decided to opt out of a deal of and be able to come back at a cheaper deal than it will cost to compete with all the other teams that will be trying to render the free agent services. I don't know if I lost anybody there. But basically what happened is the owners in baseball were upset that they were players who once they get these guaranteed deals that uh, last for four or five years, they won't be putting out the same effort than somebody who's playing on a one-year deal, especially with the money that they will have to pay if they're competing with other franchises and cities. So they decided, you know what? Instead of us going after each other's players, let's all not sign anyone so that one of our, when one of our players does become a free agent, he's forced to come back with us and bargain with us with the price that we want to do. So... Kaepernick simply not getting a tryout or any calls from the rest of the 31 teams outside of the Seahawks who said, oh, uh, he doesn't really fit what we're doing and we think he's a starter. So I'm like, if you think he's a starter and he's available to be a backup, why wouldn't you sign him? But that's a whole separate discussion. So somehow, some way, Kaepernick has to prove to the courts that he can find somehow, some way that the owners all had a understanding and implied 
that, you know what, the protests is affecting our bottom dollars and our fans, so we're going to decide to go in a different direction and not pursue Colin Kaepernick. The only problem with this is the MLB doesn't have to prove without a reasonable doubt that there was a collusion involved, whereas the NFL, their terms are a little bit different in their CBA. Give me just one minute and I could tell you what the difference is if you're using a NFL standard. It requires a showing of clear and convincing evidence. That evidence makes it almost impossible to deny collusion. The collusion can still be implied, but the evidence must be persuasive and can't be too remote. So Kaepernick and his representative must have something along these lines that they feel like they could prove in a court of law. So that's something that we definitely uh, want to keep an eye on, especially because I feel every week there's something new coming out with the NFL and the protests. And we're going to jump on to that a little bit later in our later segments. So that's something that you want to keep an eye on. So we'll see. Only time will tell what's going to happen with that uh, case. Hopefully um, it's resolved. And my thing is, we're hearing rumblings that the Texans are possibly exploring signing him, but then we hear today that they signed Josh Johnson, who hasn't played since 2013. And Bill O'Brien's defense to say as to why he's not signing Kaepernick was that, you know, he hasn't played in a little while. But a guy who's played in 2013, he's played more recently than Kaepernick. That's what you're trying to lie to us and say. <laughs> At this point, it's just borderline hilarious what these people are telling us. It's it's just, they're just willing to see anything but what exactly is going on, which is blackballing due to his protest against racism and police brutality. So I guess if it doesn't affect you, it's just something that you're invested in. Along with that, the Papa John's guy saying that the NFL should have been nicked this in the butt. It's affecting his business. Bruh. It ain't the protest that's affecting your business. Papa John's been trashed for a very long time. I I don't even know where Papa John's even is. Most of the Papa John's I drive by are closed, out of out of business. And if they are open, I don't see anyone in there. I don't know who's making these orders. I guess all these NFL teams that got their money in bed with y'all. But other than that, bro, your pizza's been trashed. I think maybe if you update your recipe and make a better product. It won't affect the uh, bottom line, but we'll see. So that's something you definitely want to look into. And now, you know, we're going to get into uh, the bread and butter, as uh, the host J-Dub would say. We're going to get into a little bit of basketball. We're going to talk about the Cavs' slow start and uh, the Celtics uh, oof, going on terrible, basically. Uh, the Cavs are 4-6 and six right now. Right now, it just looks like what it looks like, a brand new team. You got how many new players is on the Cavaliers now? You got Jeff Green, Derrick Rose, Jose Calderon. Who else is there right now? That's three new players in the rotation. Isaiah Thomas still has yet to play. And that's the main piece that they got back in exchange for Kyrie Irving. 
Jay Crowder is also new. So you're trying to incorporate four new players along with D-Wade five into a team that was pretty much knew what they had to do for the past three years. So it's going to take some time for them to get together. LeBron is doing what he can. Um, he's not going to have 50 and a triple-double every night. So they got to figure this out quick before it starts getting to a point where we're really going to have to dwell on it and ask ourselves what are the Cavs going to do in the playoffs when they see the other team I mentioned earlier, the Boston Celtics. Even after the gruesome Gordon Hayward injury, they reeled off eight straight after losing the first two. Where the people that were saying, who does Kyrie Irving think he is? He's playing with LeBron. He should just ride that. <sighs> boy, what that boy's doing out there, Whew. In the words of Mark Jackson, mama, there goes that man. He's toying with these guys out there. The type of treatment that he gave Dennis Schroeder the other night, wow. Lord have mercy. That's what you got to call that. It just didn't make sense. And a lot of this is against pretty good defense. Granted, there's only a few top defenders in the NBA that could even give Kyrie Urban a problem, if that. He's liable to do just about whatever he wants. But just amazing to see the way he handles the rock and just toys with people up and down the lane, twists and contorts himself, and one throws the English. Kyrie reminds me of an old-school 70s point guard. But, um, man... And it's not even just him. Jalen Brown is doing his thing. Jason Tatum looks like he 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 looks he looks like the part. Al Horford, everybody's chipping in. Kyrie right now is averaging twenty two, five and three, shooting forty five percent from the field. I don't know, man. I'm hearing a lot of MVPs, but he's eight and two, and nobody's talking about him for MVP right now. Why not? Why can't be him? Why the kid? As LeBron would call him, the kid. Why the kid can't win it? But you know what? I'm going to let that marinate. There's only 10 games. I'm not going to be a prisoner at the moment. But definitely, I think Kyrie Irving's name should be in that MVP conversation right now if we're being serious about what MVP is. Granted... Giannis has gotten off to a hot start, also LeBron. But I got to look at the record and say, hey, they're looking pretty good. And, you know, I can't ignore the Warriors as well. They, they, they starting to pick it up and get in their stride. So that's something that we're going to look uh, a little bit more into later on in the season. Um, on the hometown side, I just want to give a big up to the New York Knicks right now. More so, Christos Porzingis. I don't know what the Knicks is doing. Like, I never know what y'all doing. But it's def I'm definitely enjoying watching Christos go off right now. KP is doing a lot of things that I knew he was capable of, but I just needed to see it to really feel comfortable about who he is moving forward. But uh, I think he's definitely on his way to be one of the great players in the NBA. 
So I think that's the only thing that Phil Jackson ever did in his time here. That's the only thing. That's the only thing he ever did that you could call work. The rest of it was him sleeping and just showing up to the games when he felt like it. So that's definitely a amazing thing to see. Also want to touch on uh, the Eric Bledsoe trade that just happened um, off the heels of him tweeting that I don't want to be here and getting sent home. Uh, so now he's been traded to the Milwaukee Bucks for Greg Monroe, a first-round pick and a second-round uh, pick. So this, this definitely helps uh, Milwaukee. Hopefully it could spell Janis a little bit when uh, he's busy out there getting 30, 40 a night. Uh, we could definitely have Eric Bledsoe bringing in his best. He's about a 20-point-a-night scorer, and I think he could help the offense with his drive and kickouts to the shooters like Tony Snell and Mirza Talelovich. So it definitely uh, makes the Milwaukee Bucks a more formidable team, team in the Eastern Conference. They haven't had a point guard since Jason Kidd, uh, for some reason, felt like trading Brandon Knight to the Suns. So that's definitely a good look for them. Definitely think it's going to make their chances to compete in the East a little bit better. And um, I don't know if Milwaukee and the Wizards have played or Toronto, but Milwaukee and Toronto are scared. I think they, they're going to give anyone a scare in this playoffs come this season. So definitely something to keep an eye on uh, how Eric Bledsoe fits with that team. But I definitely think it's a great addition. And for Phoenix, looks like it was just a dump move. They just wanted to get rid of Bledsoe and move on from him. So uh, they're probably going to end up uh, releasing or trading Monroe right back to someone else who may need him. I don't see how he fits with their team, with the development of Marquise Chris and also um, Alex Land and Drajan Bender. I don't see how Greg Monroe fits into all of that. So, you know, definitely something to look into. But uh, that's all I really wanted to mention about the – Eric Bledsoe trade. Uh, we're going to take a quick 30 second and get into our past day prom segment. The past day prom segment is sponsored by our good friends of the show at G&Co. Gentlemen and Co is a prescription box service for men's accessories and a unisex apparel line for men, women, and children. G&Co prides themselves on giving back to the community. Each box you order highlights a different black-owned business. Go to gncoapparel.com and at checkout, enter Pastel Prime for 15% off your entire order. This week's Pastel Prime candidate, uh, we're going to go into an event that just happened uh, this past weekend, a heavyweight WBC title match between Deontay Wilder and Bermaine Severn. And Slivern caught the quick KO. Not got knocked down once, recovered. Deontay Wilder doesn't even put his hands up, just grills him and then proceeds to destroy him again. And the guy passes out to the point where the ref had to step in between before Deontay Wilder might have caught a murder charge right in the ring before our very own eyes on national television. This is the second time that Slivern has lost against Deontay Wilder. He's 39 years old. Uh, I 
this point, I don't foresee anything else left for him. I think he needs to wrap it up. Take those two losses to Deontay Wilder. Make that a two for 20. And go to Applebee's and go off into the sunset. It's over. I don't want to see you in the boxing ring ever again. You look out of shape. You look slow. And you let a man not even respect you enough to put his hands up and knock you out still. I think it's pretty much over at this point, sir. You're past your prom. And with that being said, uh, this is episode 208. It's your boy E-Money. Like I said earlier, holly at me on Twitter. My Twitter is EASports718. Hit me up on Instagram if you want to. E underscore money 718. Uh, follow the podcast on Instagram, Past Their Prime 5. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Also follow us on SoundCloud. We're on SoundCloud as PTP, Past Their Prime. Uh, check out for any latest updates. Our email is pastorprime 5 at gmail.com. And um, we out. I'm going to holler at you on the next episode. Holler at your boy.